So we're gonna be in uh, Luke chapter one, um, starting at verse 26. So if you guys wanna turn there, um, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles on the back. I know some of you students need a Bible, so. So Luke chapter one, verse 26. Now, before we read, um, I want to say one thing really quick, kind of as a, a theme, the, the main point in this, um, is that this is the announcement of Jesus' birth. That's what we're going to be covering tonight. And there's something very important um, I think all of us should know, is that God's work of salvation is not always what we expect it to be. It's not, it doesn't come in the way we think it should be. I mean, Isaiah 55, uh, eight through nine says, for my thoughts, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So um, it's kind of puts us in a humbling position to be like, okay, God, you know better, I don't know better. And let's remember, let's always remember this in just every aspect of life especially with, with the way he saves us, the way he did save us. So let's turn there. Luke chapter one, verse 26. And we'll read to verse 31. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called the Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed or confused at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. So um, the first thing that really stands out to this with this is that Jesus was born of a virgin. Now, most of you know what that means. And for our students, I'm just gonna say, ask your parents, okay? They're somewhere <laughs> back here. Um, talk to your parents about what that means. But um, this is something that's prophesied about in the Old Testament, in numerous places. Um, one place is Isaiah 7:14, which is, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she, she will call his name Emmanuel. Now, real quick, students only, what does Emmanuel mean? You guys can raise your hand. Dinah. God with us. Bingo. You just earned yourself a Skittle. Yeah, that's right. Emmanuel, God with us. And that kind of tells us who this Jesus is. He is God. Um, we also see this prophesied in Genesis 3.15. Now, it's a little bit more confusing, not confusing, but you have to kind of unpack it a little bit deeper to see what it's saying. Genesis 3.15 says, um, God, speak, God speaking, he says, and I will put enmity or hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And so, um, it's this enmity between the woman, who was, you know, the lineage of the woman, and the lineage of Satan or the serpent. And this is also known as like the first gospel mention, okay? 
So there's a fancy word for it. I actually can't remember what it's called, but um, it's the first mention of the good news. And really quick, there's a side note, okay, with this. These are just two prophecies I mentioned, only two. But there's hundreds of prophecies about Jesus and his first coming and his second coming that, and especially with the first coming, they're all fulfilled, right? Shouldn't this encourage us to know that that God promised these thousands of years, hundreds of years before Jesus showed up and then boom, they were all fulfilled. As each prophecy becomes fulfilled, it stacks further evidence for the validity of, of the Bible and God's word. So that's, that's just kind of a side note. I, I just think it's always encouraging to remind ourselves that this is true, that this, this word is true and it corresponds with reality. The second thing I wanna note is that Mary is called favored one favored one, or favorable one. Now, real quick, I don't want to make um, the mistake of saying Mary is above every other woman, or she was sinless, or she was never made any mistakes. Um, she's better than everybody else. No, it's, it's not. She's not better than everybody. But she is favored. It does say that. Now, let me ask you students another question. Why do you think Mary was favored? Why? Yeah, Sophie. Because she had faith. Okay. Anybody else? Do one more. Two more. Anybody else? No? She was chosen by God. Nice. You get a candy. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Oh, almost got there. Yeah, I mean, you guys are right. And I I think Sophie, bingo, faith. She had faith in God. Yep. Galatians 2.16, which talks about justification, which means to be, be accepted, acceptable to God. It says, nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified or accepted by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. So being accepted by God is not something we can earn, not something we could deserve or work, for, work towards. None of us, myself, everyone here, every person on the planet, it has to be by faith. And If you're here tonight and you believe in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus and trust him, then God has the same favor that he has for Mary that and that he has for Mary and he has for you. Same exact favor, same exact acceptableness. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith it is impossible to please God, to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. See, there's, there's this innate ability in us that wants to please God and please those above us, please our parents, please our friends, please our teachers. Um, and we work so hard at it. We work so hard at trying to please people. Um, there's another verse, I, I can't remember where it is. I think it's Galatians 1.10. Um, Paul says, if I were to be a pleaser of men, I would not be a bondservant of him. I would not, if I just only sought my life to please people, then it, it, 
I mean, it means nothing. Then I'm not his servant. So my encouragement tonight is for all of you to find favor in God by faith. Not by works, but by faith. Let's continue reading. So verse 32, and we'll read 33 as well. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. So Jesus is not just a promised baby to Joseph and Mary. He's a special baby. He's special in every way. But the, the big thing here is that Jesus from, from his birth and before his birth is declared the son of the most high and our eternal king. Turn with me to uh, Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. All right, everyone mostly turned there. Isaiah 9, verse 6. So it says here, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So Jesus is, he's a, like I said, special, but it's because he's God and it's because he's gonna be the king of Israel and the king of the world. But what I wanna focus on is that Jesus, although he is a king, He's born as the king, is that Jesus didn't come in his first coming to establish a physical kingdom. He didn't come to do that. You know, remember what I said earlier that God accomplishes his salvation in ways that we don't understand or we might not expect? That's the case with Jesus when he showed up on the scene. Um, Jesus went to the cross, and most of you know that. Um, I mean, it's a historical event. He went to the cross. He died on, on Calvary. But at the time, the Jews, the Jewish people, they did not expect the Messiah to do that. They expected the Messiah to show up with his grand army, with all of his power, and destroy the Roman occupation. That was what they hoped for in this Messiah, in Jesus. But he, he didn't do that. He didn't do that in his first coming. What he did do is defeat and destroy the power of sin and death, which I would argue is much more powerful and much has greater strength than the Roman government ever at its peak. Roman government, I mean, honestly, any government, any people without Jesus, we're, we are ruled by the power of sin. We're ruled by death. Jesus came to establish his kingdom, but not in the way that we expected it. Okay, he, he came to suffer on the cross to pay for all of our sin and break the power of it. 
Philippians 2, let me turn there, um, 6 through 8 says, who although he existed in the form of God, talking about Jesus, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what, what is so um, impactful and influencing about Jesus is that he is so humble and that he was willing to give up everything, give up heaven, give up his status with God, equal to God, for you and me. For you and me. Now, the question is, since Jesus suffered on the cross in his first coming, his second coming is a lot different. Okay, first coming... He dies. He pays for all of the sin of the world. Second coming, he comes as a king. He comes to establish his physical kingdom on earth. But if Jesus died on the cross, then what does that say about followers of Jesus? Okay, if you believe in Jesus, well, what, is that, what, is, what are we supposed to do? Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Um, kind of make it a little bit more personal. Um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 14. And that was a radical time. I mean, it was 2014. I don't know. The world is crazy for me. But uh, I gave my life to Jesus, and there were some things that I had to give up. There were some things that I had to give up for Jesus. I had some friends who I hung out with. Um, let's just say they were bad company. Um, they did bad stuff, and I did bad stuff with them. And I had to, I had to choose. Am I going to keep living in this life? Am I going to say I follow Jesus but continue living with what my friends are doing? Or I'm gonna be like, nope, not gonna do that. And I'm gonna follow Jesus. See, I had to deny myself. I had to deny what I wanted. And we all have to do that. Every day, we have to choose, am I gonna to choose to live for the kingdom of God or am I gonna to choose to live for the kingdom of the world? I mean, you guys know the verse, Romans 12, verse uh, two. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's our, that's our goal as Christians. Now, real quick, kind of a side question for our students. What, is it, what does the word Christian mean? What does the word Christian mean? Sophie, you know? You know? Here, we'll give Ella a shot. I know you know. Ella. Follower of Christ, okay. Get a piece of candy, that's right. Anybody else? Alex, you know? Little Christ. Nice. You were going to say little Christ? Okay, you get a candy because I, I knew you knew. <laughs> little Christ. Okay. Oh, got, got an answer? Believing in him and trusting in him. You got it. All right, this is way in the back. Hit the wall. <laughs> Hit the wall. There we go. He can run for it. Yeah, you guys are exactly right. But the little Christ answers what I was looking for. 
Little, little Christ, to be little, I think of the movie Minions, okay? They're like little, little guys, like yellow guys, and they're all exactly the same. Well, we're supposed to be all exactly the same as Jesus. Now, we're not perfect, we make mistakes, we sin, so we can't be perfectly like him, but that's our goal, is to be like him, to be little Christ. But going back to what Matthew 16 says, we're supposed to deny ourselves, like Jesus did. Jesus denied ev- all of his flesh. I mean, I think of the, um, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He did not want to die. And he's praying to the Father. He's like, Father, please take this cup from me. I, I don't want to do it. But then he says, not my will, but yours be done. So he denies what he wants and accepts and submits to what God wants. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. So our purpose as Christians is suffering the flesh, to do what he did. Because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. See, the encouragement here in this, you know, this is a very convicting thing. I think for a lot of us, and for myself included, that I've struggled with this passage a lot. It's like, I'm supposed to deny myself and take up my cross to follow Jesus? That's a costly, costly thing. But the encouragement is that Jesus doesn't leave us to be alone in it. Middle school students, you guys are between the ages of 11 and 14, roughly. When I was your age, I felt pretty alone. I felt alone. But I got saved when I was 14. I got saved when I was almost into high school. And I realized that Jesus will never leave me. Jesus will never forsake me, even in suffering, even in hard times and hardships. Hebrews 4, verse 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are yet without sin. Pause there. He's been tempted in all things. That means everything you felt, everything you've experienced in your life, all of our lives, he has felt. He has experienced Verse 16, therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what Jesus wants of us is to follow him and follow him in in his suffering. But also in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hardships, when things go wrong, to go to the throne of grace, to go to him because he's also our comforter. We have the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to help us. Let's continue reading. So back in Luke 1, let me turn back there. Luke 1, verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So uh, the fourth thing I want to note here is the difference between Mary's response and or Mary's response to Gabriel and Zacharias' response to Gabriel. Okay, so if you uh, go back to verse 18 of chapter one, so, you know, he's told the news that he's gonna have a son, it's gonna name him John. He's gonna be the forerunner of Jesus. He's gonna prophesy um, for Jesus. Um, he says, Zacharias said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now what's interesting is, Zachariah says, how can I know? And then Mary says, how can this be? Now you might be like, well, that's not much different. But think of, think of the response that Gabriel had with Zacharias than he did with Mary. With, with Zacharias, I think it's kind of interesting. With Zacharias, he literally makes him mute for the entire pregnancy until John is born. He can't talk. Okay, if, the, if I was Zacharias, I'd be kind of ticked off. I'd be like, come on, I like to talk. Connie, Connie can testify on that. I like to talk, okay? I would not be happy. But, but Mary, he doesn't, he just kind of explains. He just answers her question, like, how can this be? And explains, you know, the Holy Spirit. Um, if I'm honest, I can probably relate more with Zacharias. He's like, how can this be? He's like kind of being logical about it. I'm a very logical person. I'm a numbers person, okay? Two plus two equals four. If you tell me two plus two equals five, well, that just doesn't work. And, and when God's like, oh, you're, you're gonna try to, God, when God tells me, I'm gonna do this and it's not gonna make any sense, Jeremy, I'm like, well, then why are you doing it like that? Do it so it makes sense. <laughs> you know, that's my struggle with the Lord. But there are a lot of times where we have doubts, we're skeptical, like Zacharias was. I mean, Abraham and Sarah, they had a very similar situation. They were advanced in years. They were barren, couldn't have children. And Sarah even laughed at God. That's a funny story. You should read that on your own. He, she laughed at God. Oh, you can't, no way. So um, Mark chapter nine um, tells of a man who brought his son, who was demon-possessed, to Jesus to be healed. And he says in verse 22, the man, the father, he says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, what a question. If you can, oh man, right to the heart. All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. That should be our cry to Jesus. Because guess what? None of us in this room have perfect faith. Nobody. Not even me. Okay? I don't have perfect faith. Faith is not something that is created by us. It's, it's really not. You can't muster up faith. You can't work hard to get faith. You can't, you don't, I mean, you can't. You just can't do it. 
It's not manufactured. It is something given by God. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So guess what? When you're, in your, when you're reading the Bible, when you're reading God's word, it's a supernatural thing that God does in you and in me that creates faith in us. It stirs it up. And when we're, and not even just hearing God's word, but praying as well. Because guess what? Guess what praying is? Here, actually, that's a good question. What is praying? What are the two components of praying? We talked about this, I think, last week. Yeah, Ava. Talking to God, okay. Ella. Being thankful, okay. Do two more. Desiree. Talking and listening, okay. Jake. All right. All right, you got one? One in the back? Yep, yep. Justin. Talking as well as listening. Boom, that's right. Yeah, that's the two parts to praying. is talking to God and listening to God. And I think the listening part is a little, what was that? And being still, yeah. Yep, it's all part of it. Um, listening, I think, is a little bit more important sometimes because I'm, like I said before, I'm a talker. And sometimes God's like, okay, Jeremy, just listen. Just like you're saying, be still. Just listen to what I have to say. I believe in those moments, that's when faith comes because we're listening to what God has to say to us and sometimes he'll just remind us of verses. Sometimes he'll say something, have a spiritual revelation, give us a spiritual revelation. But we gotta remember, we can't muster up faith. It has to be from Jesus. It has to be from hearing his word and hearing what he has to say to us. The last thing I wanna note in uh, what, what we just read is that the Holy Spirit is, is who accomplishes the conception of Jesus, okay? The conception of Jesus was a supernatural event. It was not natural, okay? Virgin women do not get pregnant. They just don't. See, what it means to be supernatural is something that supersedes that which is natural. So it's going above the laws of nature, going above and beyond. Since the Holy Spirit is the one who conceived Jesus through Mary, Jesus is called the Son of God which makes sense. Holy Spirit's God, so, you know, son of God. Now, with our American way of thinking, you know, son of God is not a big deal. You're like, okay, well, there's son of God. Like you and I are sons, of, sons and daughters of God. But no, in Jewish thinking, in the Jewish mind, to be a son of someone is to be equal with that someone. So my dad's name is Steve, Stephen, okay? If I were to say I'm the son of Stephen, that would make me equal to my dad, equal to Stephen. For Jesus to be called son of God is to say he's equal to God, which by the way, that's, why, that's, that's a big reason why Jesus got killed. Jesus was crucified because he called himself God. He says, I am. I mean, the gospel of John, you have seven I am statements. 
You know, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. He's God. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, who is Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then down in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So you have a perfect combination of God and man. Jesus is the God-man. 100% God, 100% man. Which to Jeremy is like, well, that's 200%. That don't, that don't work. That don't work, God. But God is supernatural. God is not, God goes beyond what we can think. He blows my mind all the time. He's like, one, one thing I was, I can't remember who I was talking to. Um, I think it was somebody at Papa Murphy's. But um, we we're talking about eternity. And, you know, for me, I can think eternity future, uh, that's not that hard to really comprehend. But eternity past, meaning that God has existed forever in the past. Forever. And I'm like, well, who created God? Well, he wasn't created. It doesn't make sense to our finite minds. And so all this to say, Jesus is God, but guess what? Jesus is also humble. He doesn't come and demand that we worship him. And, and he didn't come in the first coming, first coming to be like, everybody worship me. He didn't do that. He came in the most humble way possible, as a baby. That's the most humble way any of us can come into the world, as a baby. But not only did he come as a baby, he lived a perfect life, and he suffered the cross. Like I said before, he suffered the cross to pay for our sins. That's humility there, denied himself. And then he also resurrected to life. All for you and I. And Jesus offers eternal life. He offers it to each and every one of us. And all we gotta do is repent and believe in Jesus. That's all we have to do. There's no work involved. There's no doing the right thing, being a good person, going to church, checking off the box, you name it. There's a lot of churches and a lot of people who like to say, you have to do this and then you're a Christian. You have to be baptized in this church to be a Christian. No, it's faith. And faith, a simple way to say faith is, is what? I've, we've talked about this numerous of times. What is another word for faith? Sophie? Complete trust. Complete trust. Oh, sorry, Riley. Jake? Faith. Belief. Jake? Uh, what he said. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> you get a candy too. Ella? Obedience. Say that again. Believing and not seeing, yeah. Anybody else? The rest of the crowd. What is what is another word for faith? <laughs> yeah. Believing in God. Nice. Oh, nice catch. Yeah, Justin. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Do one more. We'll do one more. What is faith? Alex. Trust or confidence. Trust or confidence? Yep. Nice catch. Faith is not a religious word. It's not a church word. It's not a Christian word. It's a relationship word. You and I all trust people in our life. 
We trust our families. We trust our parents. We trust our sisters, our brothers. We trust our friends. We trust our teachers. There's numerous people that we trust. And in the same way, we're called to have trust and faith in Jesus. It's like he's, he's our father, right? He's equal to the father. We, we trust God like he's our father. He's called our heavenly father. And the last thing I wanna say is that my encouragement tonight is not, everything we've talked about is that it's not supposed to be just in your head. It's supposed to be going in the heart. Don't let your heart grow cold. Don't let your heart be hard to what Jesus has for you, to repenting, to, to following him, to have faith in him. See, we can know stuff in our head all day long. We can have all the information. We can have all knowledge and all wisdom. You know, Connie and I just watched a movie called The Librarian. Okay, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. I think it was like the early 2000s. Um, we just watched it. It was actually a really good movie. We'll probably watch the other, one, other movies after it. But uh, the premise of the movie, this guy's really smart. He like, he's like a professional uh, student. Like he just wants to go to school the rest of his life. But then his like mom is like, you need to get a job. <laughs> so, it'd be, so it's funny because he becomes, uh, he gets a job as a librarian, but it's a, not a regular librarian. Anyways, I don't want to ruin the plot. But he had so much information, but in this context with Jesus, the, this librarian character, he... I mean, it's useless. Information is useless until it reaches your heart. And let's reread what Gabriel says. He says, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord may be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, she accepted, she had faith in God, which made her accepted in the sight of God. She was acceptable because of her faith. But not only that, she had faith that God was gonna accomplish what he said he was gonna accomplish. She's like, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. I'm, I'm a servant of you. And then she says, may it be done to me according to your word. She just simply says, okay. Okay, Lord, yes, I accept it. Do it, do it. Conceive this child in me. Conceive the Messiah. And that should be our response to God when he asks us to do something. When he asks Jeremy to do something. Jeremy, am I gonna say yes or am I gonna say no? It's going back to what, um, what Jesus says to his disciples. You gotta deny yourself. Mary had to deny herself. She had to be like, okay, this doesn't make sense maybe, but okay, I accept, I believe, I trust in Jesus. Let us all grow in our trust and faith in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. And um, Lord, I'm just encouraged that you are with us in all, all of our life, that you don't leave us, you don't forsake us, that you're just so good. You're just so good. And Lord, help our unbelief. I know all of us here have some of that, and so, Father, I um, pray that we would be able to hear you, we would be able to listen to you and what you have to say. And Jesus, you just go before us the rest of the night, and um, Lord, we're grateful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.